0: Father we come before you right now you are the only God and you are holy 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 and the earth is truly filled with your glory and in your name is true authority power healing and Jesus we thank you for your work the beautiful work that you did to bring us this great salvation that we have. Your name is holy and beautiful. And we long for that day when we can sit, kneel, and lay before the throne proclaiming your greatness. But until that day, we will still proclaim your greatness because you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Take a good minute and greet those around you. Well good morning everyone, my name is Pastor Cody, one of the pastors here and it's great to see everyone here and I'm glad to be back. I'm a little tanner because I was on a boat fishing, in fact last week I was up in Tony's hometown, I've got some friends from that area and they go up there every year and I was able to join them on a fishing trip and it was great. Last Sunday I was at the the Free Church in Black Duck there and it was wonderful and then I had breakfast last Sunday, I had walleye, so life was rough. All right, just a few announcements. Again, we're having our town hall meeting right between the, our time and our Sunday school time, our adult discipleship groups. And again, this is a time as we, if you have questions about, and I'm sure you've gotten the email if you have questions about the amendment that the elders are proposing for our annual meeting. And uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing within our church and within the elders and pastors and staff And it's a beautiful thing. So if you have questions about that, I'm sure some of you, most of you were there last Sunday when we had that. But again, we're providing that for this Sunday also. Also, now we're in our new adult discipleship group. So we have three of them going on. We have Genesis, which is over there in the gathering place. And then we also have From Conflict to Resolution. That will be in the Soul Garage Cafe. And then we also have For the Third Time in a Row. So this is something that some of you have been a part of, it's the, uh, I'm trying to think of the full title here, Apologetics, and it's kind of the worldviews conflict and just understanding the worldviews that we have today. It's a great, great class, in fact, I'm excited, that's probably one that I'll be sitting in and learning from, so we have those going on. So we have our service, our joint service right now happening, and then we'll have our fellowship time, get your donuts and coffee, and then we have the adult discipleship groups happening there. Also, this coming Saturday, we have two things happening. We have our men's breakfast that meets at 7 in the morning. And then we also have, if you want to help out, at Living Water Church in Cameron, we have Ruby's Pantry. And it's warm to do Ruby's Pantry now compared to January or February. So this is the time to do it. Also, we have these at the Welcome Desk tickets. So all you got to do is bring this and $10 for Toby Mac, Sidewalk Profit, Prophets Mac Powell and a bunch for Life Fest. So Saturday, this is a ten dollar voucher. Bring ten dollars in this ticket. Bob gave us a bunch of these to get to everyone. So my family will be there. We're excited about this. So if you want to go and see them, this all these bands and stuff. So this is Saturday. Bring this ten dollars. That is for Life Fest coming up in about a month. Yeah, in a month from now. Every Sunday we like to celebrate what the Lord is doing, and um, it's been great to have missionaries come and celebrate what the Lord is doing through all the different missionaries that we are connecting with locally within the states and even overseas and we've been doing that and we'll continue to do that throughout the summer and into the fall season but what we want to do is celebrate what sometimes sometimes you think like okay summer's here school's done and youth group is done also that's not the case I mean the traditional Wednesday night youth group is done but there's many things that are going on with the youth so if you have youth that want to stay engaged. Pastor Tony and Michelle, they are busy doing so much this summer. One of the things that they do is, yeah, clean up after Aquafest. Some of you that live in Rice Lake, maybe near downtown, hear all the different bands. And uh, it's, it's quite the event, but every year our kids get up early in the morning. They don't get to sleep in like summertime you'd want to. And they go around and they clean up Aquafest. So we thank you. Thank the kids. So let's thank the kids. I'll try to hold the mic here and clap here. In fact, uh, two nights ago I was there dropping some food off for, the, for law enforcement and one of the, the main guys who kind of runs Aquafest was like, hey, I thank you so much for your kids coming serving the community in that way and just caring for the community. It's like, hey, there's another area that some people seem to get to and are dropping paper plates and beer cans, and, and my kids come back smelling like beer and weird stuff, and they're like, we will never drink that stuff. It's just horrible. So, so we thank you for that. Thank the kids for doing that and being safe when they do that also. And also, just so you know, youth and parents of youth, we have a lot of things going on. You can go to Soul Garage, the website Soul Garage, and we have, I think Pastor Tony's got a little... Uh, calendar thing at the welcome desk of all the events that we got going on. Tomorrow, we are rock climbing, and uh, I think we got a picture, yes, so Interstate Park, and and we are grateful for um, the Rogans, Willie and um, Bob, they they were able to get a bunch of stuff, so we have that, we're going to be rock climbing, do we have a picture of the rock climbing, there's some pictures of rock climbing from Maybe last year that was, and there's Pastor Tony belaying there, and you can almost see the Indian face there on the top there. That's an area that we go. So that's happening tomorrow. So if you want to join us, please do. It's, it's very, very safe, even though it looks scary. We have all the gear. We have a backup for the backup. I'm, I'm big on safety and helmets and everything else, and uh, if you fall, it'll only be a foot because you've got a rope securing you there. So So it's a great time, and we... We've got a great event, so if you haven't signed up, you can still sign up for that. That's happening tomorrow, and every month we're doing some rock climbing, and if you as a family want to rock climb this summer, just get a hold of me. I'll take you. I love it. All right. I think that's all the announcements. So shortly after we had the fallen officers here in our county, I was talking to one of my dear friends, Justin, and uh, said, man, this has just been rough on On us as a community, and I said, you know, maybe sometime this summer you can preach for me, and I'll preach for you. And we said, yeah, that'd be great, that'd be great. And uh, we we set this this weekend to be that weekend, and uh, it ended up that his associate was going to preach, so I I get to be here. So Justin, come up. He's the pastor at Apple River. You just go down Highway Eight and Forty Highway Eight and Forty Six, right around about there. Yeah. So he's the Free Church pastor there. You've been there seven years, right? Ten years, okay, ten years. In fact, before he was there, when I was at Arrowhead Bible Camp, I preached at that church many times, and it's a blessing to have him here. So join me in prayer as I pray over him, as we get to hear from the Word. So Lord, we thank you for today. You have brought us here to celebrate your goodness. And I'm so glad that Justin gets to be here. I'm excited to open the Word and learn from the Word. So speak to us, Lord, we pray. Pray you just anoint my brother here and just give him just your spirit to, to handle the word as we get to hear. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, before you go, I
1: have a couple of fun pictures here. So, this is my wife up here. Uh, so, Cody and I went to Florida. That was November, wasn't it? November, yeah. November. We went there with our wives, and it was a pastor's retreat. It was a lot of fun. So, she was showing you how to do a uh, cartwheel, and she did a great cartwheel. So, if you go to the next one, you'll see Cody actually attempting the cartwheel, <laughs> and then the next one, you'll see the result uh, of what happened after the cartwheel. <laughs> so... Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm happy about I'm it. Sit <laughs> go, go sit by your wife. <laughs> he, does on he does better on rocks. He, he needs to be tied off to something. That's what it appears, right? Well, at our church, we've been working through 1 Corinthians, and um, I'm not going to have you go to 1 Corinthians. I'm read out of 1 Corinthians for you, but I'm going to have you open your Bibles or take out your digital device, and we're going to go to uh, John. Now, just a little bit of a uh, little bit of background for you of why we're going to go to John is we're going to take a look at John through the light of First Corinthians chapter thirteen. What we did at our church is we took uh, three different Sundays and we had three different pastors preach on First Corinthians thirteen, and what you had a chance to do was to hear about how different. Pastors, different preachers, are going to approach the same text. So I want to encourage you that as you hear me this morning, that you reflect back on other things that you've heard about this passage. And maybe throughout all of these things, maybe I'll say something that'll spark something that you heard in the past, and God will speak to you in the process of all that. So I want you to, to think about that. Now, 1 Corinthians, Paul's dealing with this church that's having a bunch of problems. And part of the problems that they have include the this these uh, these factions that are beginning to form within the church itself. You know, oh, I I follow Paul. No, no, I follow Apollos. Well, Paul is more mature. No, no, Paul, Apollos is the one that really lead us leads us in the right way. And they have these fractions that are happening in the church. The second thing that we see in 1 Corinthians is they have these, uh, these sin issues that are working through the church. You'll probably be familiar with the, the big sexual sins that are happening within the church itself and Paul, how Paul even says something like, I, I, I condemn what I've actually seen or even heard about as far as what's happening there. My, my judgment is already rendered. So they've got these, this sin issue within the church. Uh, the, the third major issue that they have within the church right there, uh, you've got the factions, you've got the sin, and then you've got this issue of, oh, I have a better spiritual gift than you have. My, my spiritual gift, uh, I've, I've got the gift of prophecy, and so I'm up here. Well, I've got the gift of tongues, and so I, I'm about at this level. Well, I've got the gift of service, and so I'm down at this. No, no, no. That's where Paul pulls it all together, and then he comes back to 1 Corinthians 13, and in 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about love right and you guys have all heard first corinthians 13 in some sort of a either a devotional or you have probably heard it at a wedding right and we all take first corinthians 13 and we make it all about this this love and how we need to be loving each other you know and so it begs the question what does what does love really have to do with all of this where are we going with this love you know, love is, is this interesting term that we use, that we throw about in our culture. We just recently had a French foreign exchange student stay with us for a year. It was wonderful. They've got 11 different phrases that they'll use in terms of expressing love towards one another. Uh, we had another friend who was a, uh, an exchange student from Italy. They've got 85 different ways to say I love you or I, I, I'm in love with you. Now, psychiatry, they actually take a look at love and they classify it in seven different categories. They classify this degree of self-love and they talk about a love for a brother or a love for a parent or a parent to a child or sexual love or committed obligatory love or even a flirting love. I didn't even realize that they even classified flirting as a type of love, but they do. The final type of love is the love that Paul is actually talking about here, and it's this deep, profound, sacrificial love, a conscious choice, an attitude of care and appreciation. It's actually typically called divine love, or as you might know it, agape love. I'm going to read the chapter of 1 Corinthians for you, but again, I don't necessarily want you to go there. We're going to be going to John this morning. This is what he says. I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I might boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the childish ways behind me. For now we see as only a reflection in a mirror. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Jesus, I just ask that you show us your love this morning. That you show us more of who you are, that we might revel in you. That we might thoroughly enjoy who you are. May you come to fill us to completeness. May we continue to lay down ourself and to pick up you. May we walk with you closer every day. In your name we pray, amen. One of the reasons I wanted to go to John is Jesus. John shows us much of who Jesus is. That's one of John's main ideas throughout this, here is Jesus. But what I want to show you this morning is how Jesus demonstrates that love that we just read about in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you have your Bible, why don't you flip with me over to John chapter 3. It's a story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Now you remember the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night because he doesn't want people to know that he's going to Jesus to see who he is. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus... Jesus, no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with them. And in verse 3, Jesus says, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus says, how can someone be born again when they're old? And and surely he cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born. Jesus said, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. How can this be, Nicodemus says in verse 9. And Jesus says in verse 10, you are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen, but you still do not accept our testimony. What we see right here is Jesus taking this time to visit with this man who is cautious about approaching Jesus, who is trying to hide from Jesus. Or not, sorry, not hide from Jesus, but hide from others, the fact that he's looking at Jesus. And what we see in Jesus right here is as he loves Nicodemus, he's demonstrating this patience. This patience because who would want to deal with somebody who's afraid to know who they are? But Jesus is still patient. Jesus is still kind. In chapter 4 of John, Jesus is walking along. He comes to the well. We read this, that in verse 4, he had gone through Samaria. Verse 5, he had come to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of Jacob that had given to his son Joseph, and Joseph's well was there. And Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Verse 4, sorry, verse 7 of chapter 4. Then a Samaritan woman came by to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a, gi- a drink? Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God that was with you and who asks you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, I've, you have nothing to draw from and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Jesus said in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst Indeed, the water that I give them will become a living spring inside of them and well up to eternal life. The woman said, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And he says, go get your husband. You know the story. Go get your husband and come back. And how many husbands, how many men had this woman had? She had seven, didn't she? And the guy that she's with right now isn't even her husband. And we read in 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. You can see Jesus doing those same things with this woman who's at the well. He's kind. He's not rude. He's enduring what she's gone through. Chapter 5 of John continues on with the lame man by the pool. Sometime later it says in verse 1, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals and now in Jerusalem there was a sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic, it is called Bethesda, and it's surrounded by five covered calmates. And There were a great number of disabled people who used to lie there, the lame and the blind and the paralyzed. One who has been an invalid for 38 years was there and Jesus saw him lying there and learned of his condition for that long time. And Jesus turns to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else steps down ahead of me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not proud. It does not delight in evil. It's not easily angered. Love. Love chapter 6 of John Jesus is out in the countryside he's on the shore of the sea of Galilee and this large crowd is gathering near him because he had been performing signs and he was healing the sick verse 3 of chapter 6 Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples and the Jewish Passover Passover festival was near when Jesus looked and saw the great crowd coming towards him he said to Philip where shall we buy food for all of these people to eat He asked this only to test him, for he had in mind what he was already going to do. Jesus is having compassion on the crowd. And he's about to love on these 5,000 people at one time. Philip answered, he said, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks and distributed to those who were sitting there as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. It is not self seeking, it is not easily angered. It rejoices with the truth, it protects, it hopes. It perseveres. One of my favorite examples, though, of Jesus displaying love has to do with the woman who's caught in adultery. That's in chapter 8 of John, if you want to flip over there. Some of your Bibles might have this in italicized. Some say that it's included, some say that it's not, but somehow we, we would take this to be authoritative, that Jesus did something here with this woman. Verse 2 of chapter 8, as Don appeared to them in the temple courts where the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. One of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. I don't need to go too far into that for you to remember what that would have included. Here's a woman who's caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down on the ground and began to write with his finger. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast. It keeps no record of wrongs. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let one of you who is without sin be the first to draw and throw a stone at her. And he stopped and wrote on the ground again. And those who were there began to go away one at a time with the older first, leaving only the woman with Jesus standing there. And Jesus straightened up and said, Woman, where are they who have condemned you? No one,"s she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Love is patient, it is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not easily angered. As we continue on in John, we come across chapter nine, where Jesus comes across a man who is born blind. And the assumption of the disciples is that somebody has sinned and therefore there's there's going to be a problem. It says this in chapter 9, verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man born blind, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus turns and says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming where no one can work. I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus continues this idea of love in chapter 10 of John. In chapter 10 he says this as simply as he can, can. Chapter 10 verse 1, truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by another way is just a thief or a robber. The one who enters the gate enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out brought all, all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 7, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go go out and find pasture. But the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not boast, it is not proud, it is not self-seeking. It always protects. Then we come across the story in John chapter 10 of Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus where Lazarus has died and he's lying in the tomb and everybody's sick and we come across everybody's favorite verse, the one that you're all easily memorizing, right? Verse 35 of John chapter 11, Jesus what? Jesus wept. That's right. Jesus wept. In verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him. I don't think that they were lying. I don't think that they were lying that he did love Lazarus. And then he does what only Jesus can do, right? He calls into the tomb and out comes Lazarus. Love. Love. It's patient, it's kind. It protects, it hopes, it perseveres. A little later, we come across Jesus in John chapter 13. This is the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. This is the Passover that they were looking forward to, and it's just before his crucifixion. It's before the trials. It's before all the difficulty that's going to come into his life. And Jesus takes this time, and he's going to love his disciples. And this is what it says in chapter 13 of John. Just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew his hour had come for it was time for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted in Judas, the son of Simon, uh, the son of Simon Iscariot, to bet- the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. It always perseveres. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Finally, in John chapter 17, Jesus begins to pray for his disciples. And not just for his disciples, he prays for all of us. He says this in John chapter 17, verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am to see my glory the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world righteous father the world does not know you I know you and they know that you sent me I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them Jesus is patient he's kind he's kind He doesn't envy, he doesn't boast, he's not proud. He does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil. Jesus rejoices with the truth. Jesus protects. Jesus trusts. Jesus hopes. Jesus perseveres. Even as I go through that list, you know that Jesus does become angry at a certain point in the gospel, correct? But what does it say about love? Easily angered, right? It took quite a bit to push him over the edge. Just as I went through that list with Jesus in there, Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind, Jesus does not envy. I think the challenge for us today is can you put your name in that same spot? Can you say Joe is patient, Justin is kind, Mary does not envy, Paul does not boast? Can you put your name in there and say, you're not proud, you do not dishonor others, you're not self-seeking, you're not easily angered? Can you do that? Because I think that's the call for us as Christians, is not just to read this list and say, oh, that's a great list and I can identify what love is by marking it off on this particular list on the wall over here. But this is a list of characteristics that should be inside of us that we evaluate each and every day. To say, am I doing this? Am I maintaining this type of love? This type of sacrificial, conscious choice love? This attitude that's inside of me, this this care and this appreciation for others. Am I I living this out? Am I doing this kind of love? Because this is the love that God has for us and it's the love that we're to have for each other. John 3.16 put it this way, for God so loved... A lot of these things, the world, that he gave his only son, right? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. He gives us these things, not that we just might be recipients, this big black hole that this stuff is poured into, but we might be like a serving plate where this stuff is poured onto the plate and then it spills off the plate onto all those that are around us. How's your life doing in that? How is it? Maybe you're caught in these other types of love, a, a love for self where you do want to take that all in and you don't care about spilling it out on others. No offense to younger folks, but younger or more immature folks oftentimes have love in that sort of manner. I, I think of my, my kids. I took my 10-year-old out. Well, her birthday's tomorrow, but we took her out, I took her out yesterday. We went to the mall we went shopping at the mall. I said, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? We'll do whatever you want to do. It's, it's, it's your day with dad. We'll do whatever. Well, can we go to Claire's? So we go into Claire's and she buys a bath bomb, right? Well, can we go to Bath and Body Works? I want to get a little lotion. So she's 10 and she wants lotion already. I'm going to be in trouble here. I mean, come on, right? We go over and she gets a little bit of lotion and she's putting it on herself. And throughout this whole time, her focus is a, that of a 10-year-old. It's all upon self, isn't it? What do I want? What do I need? I had to even stop and ask her on the way home, did you like doing that? Did you enjoy spending this time with me? Do you feel like, like I loved you? Did you feel that at all? <laughs> yeah, I think so, Dad, <laughs> that's a bad self-love. Or this love for a brother, you know, uh, oftentimes we see that in business. You know, hey, I'm going to watch out for you, you watch out for me. You buy from my town and buy in my store. I'm going to take care of you you, and I'll buy from your store. And we'll kind of look out for each other. It's kind of this mutual love. Or the love of a parent, you know, where we we just pour it out on our kids, and and and, and we don't care to get anything back, but we just we just love on them, or or, or sexual love, or 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 this. My favorite is this committed, obligatory love, where we we love because we're obliged to love them. You know, I've been married 45 years, and I'm gonna keep loving. You know, it's not I'm not giving up yet. I've made it this far, and it's almost like a badge of honor that I made it, and I'm gonna keep going. For us, it's 25 this summer, and I'm. I'm I I, I can tell you that I love her with the flirting love that we first had. And and there is this obligatory love within it as well, but there's there's this. But that's not the type of love that God wants of us. It's a love where we get back from others, but this love where we pour out the sacrificial conscious choice love. This love that is patient and kind, and it's not envying, it's not boasting, it's not proud, it's not dishonoring others, it's not self-seeking or easily angered. That's what God wants of us. For a church that's in turmoil like the Corinthian church. My spiritual gift is better. Where's love? That's what he's going to do in chapter 14 and 15 even. For, for the, the person who's having these sexual issues within the church. Where's love? Where's this love? For those that are just saying, well, I belong to Paul and I'm from Apollo's. Where is the love in that situation? Where is the love? Where is Jesus? Let me pray this over you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this congregation here that you would help them to display this love that you demonstrated towards us in Christ, that you would help them as they seek to be patient with each other, to be kind with each other, to not be boastful or to be proud to not dishonor others. Sometimes, Lord, it's easy for our lips to dishonor others and to to walk down this path that that brings dissension and pain. And I ask, Lord, that you just help us, that you would protect our lips and our minds from dishonoring others. Father, help us as we seek to not be self-seeking. Help us to not be easily angered. Lord, help us to live out this love that really keeps no record of wrongs. Sometimes those record of wrongs, Lord, they, they, they hold us back from doing what it is that you want us to do in the future. Lord, help us to display this love that does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. A love that always protects, that always trusts, that always hopes, and always perseveres. Father, I pray for this congregation that as you help them, that the days ahead of them are better than the days behind. The days of hope in you and the glorious riches of your magnificent spirit working in their lives would be greater today than it was ever in the past. Thank you for this congregation, for these people here. Help them as they go forward from this place to be a loving people. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for letting me come share with you guys today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up front.